three, two, one. Come on. And this time we're digging into a topic that I think will be really interesting for, for, for everybody, which is, you know, what, what does entrepreneur mean in, in the modern day? And how do we all kind of frame our entrepreneurial strategies? And how has that shifted a lot in these kind of coming years? And how do you play all these things together? You know, whether it's investing, building businesses, having a day job, building in public, creating content info products, personalities. We're going to dive in. We're going to share some of our strategies. We're going to talk about kind of how we, where we feel the zeitgeist is at for this. And uh, yeah, I'm super excited because I think we've all you know, been, been on these journeys. I think one of the things that ties James, Colin, and I together is we are all very deeply in this modern entrepreneur. We're, we're kind of really going down the rabbit hole of how far this goes and, and everyone's uniquely driven by that. And I would like all of our brothers and sisters listening to you know be part of that overall family grinding after it. So hopefully you can find some alpha inside of it. Uh, I just want to give a refresher for all the millions of people that were listening to the first season of the Tab podcast, formerly known as Tab, Tab Talk, and what we're doing now. Uh, we are shifting gears into deep dives per episode, um, with these first couple being uh, kind of broad strokes, entrepreneurship, personal stack, that kind of thing, and then getting into some more niche-specific stuff with guests, so on and so forth, on what is now known as Builders Build. Builders Build. <laughs> All right. So to kick it off, the uh, I'm going to break down a little bit of, of how we've we've gotten to being entrepreneurs, the entrepreneurial world we are in today. And uh, I think any of you guys want to stop anywhere along the way and just, just start start going, we can. But literally, you know, it starts with step A. Okay, I have a job. Most people have jobs. They pay you X amount of money. The next, next natural layer on that forever is, okay, I have a job and I invest. And I invest in the stock market or a 401k or an IRA or whatever it is. It's like base level investing. That's how most people build wealth in addition to their jobs. And then on you know, the third stack on top of that, you go, okay, you start getting a lot of money. You can become an incredible investor and do real investments and be inside actual companies. And there's a whole mode that comes to that. And you have side hustles after that. So I have a job and I have another job. Or I have a job and I have some small business I'm building myself. Or I built a small business by actually keep a part-time job to help pay the bills, whatever that ends up being. Uh, and then recently in the last five or seven years, I think really changed a lot of people's perspective on this is, is crypto because you didn't have to become a accredited investor to have access to really interesting opportunities. And that has changed a lot of the wealth projection that people have been able to go along. Uh, and then on top of that, now we have this whole idea of, okay, I'm making content about building. I'm building in public. I'm showcasing my entrepreneurial life because beforehand, you know, uh, if you look at the people that are probably on the boards of companies we've been on, people aren't talking about, oh, I'm I'm an advisor to this company or I'm working to that company. Like maybe they are a little bit, but social media made it so that all of a sudden is, is at the forefront. And so I think we're in this really interesting time here and now, and, and uh, especially with what crypto's enabled and now with what content's enabled. And we're all actively attempting to do this. And so I think there's a bunch of interesting topics in there. Curious where, where y'all heads go first about this kind of modern entrepreneur's journey. Well, the first thing I think is really interesting is that in my mind, the term uh, entrepreneur has sort of been bastardized, um, and I and I and I almost hate calling myself an entrepreneur, and I really am, right? I'm a serial entrepreneur, but I feel that because so many, it's become so easy to become an entrepreneur these days. The barrier is so low that it feels like someone who just says they don't want to work for somebody else. And there's a big difference, I think, between being self-employed and being an entrepreneur, right? Being a business owner, um, and 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 being an entrepreneur, business owner, and also includes early on being self-employed, right? Includes working for yourself to do that. But I think it's interesting because in, if this was like 1950 or 1960, and I had gone to my friends and family and said, "Hey, I'm going to go start a business," people would have been like, "Whoa." All right, James, like, good luck. You know what I mean? That's a that's a really ballsy, exciting thing to do. Where are you going to set up shop? Where are you going to set up your office? Do this stuff. Whereas today, um, I mean, I, I, I jokingly talk about having a couple wins and a thousand failures, but I mean, I've definitely created at least 20 LLCs in my life, right? Like actually tried a shot at uh, building a real <laughs> business. Um, and and uh, it's just interesting that the, the barrier for that has become so much lower and, and so much more accessible to everyone. And that's a beautiful yeah, thing and a scary thing. It's less, of a, less about being an entrepreneur and more about wealth building, right? I think it's like the quest to build wealth, which to your point has been bastardized into entrepreneurship, where it's saying, okay, well, to do that, I have to 
be the CEO of whatever it is, whether that's starting a real company or it's my own little side hustle, or and it has become this you know, what we call entrepreneurship now. Uh, but yeah, I feel the same thing. I used to feel really awkward putting entrepreneur in the bio, but it's true. It's like business after business, time after time. How many LLCs do you have? If you have had multiple LLCs, you know, then you're probably an entrepreneur. You're at least an attempt to be an entrepreneur. For sure. I mean, I've had LLCs, C corps, S corps. The whole gang, you know, but so I think it's five hundred one c threes. Yeah, I was gonna say no MPOs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing charity out here. We're changing the world. We're changing the world. But no, I think um, you know, for me, I, I had uh, yesterday a, a friend or two days ago, a friend invited me to to her house to help her with her resume, and I laughed and I said, I'm probably the last person to help with her resume, and she said, Well, why? And I said, Because I don't think I've had a W two job for more than two or three months in my entire life. Right. Even even when I was sort of like in house doing things, I don't think I've you know really ever held down a normal job. Um, and I did when I got and I did have a W two job. Shout out to Derek Feynman, who was a friend and someone who trusted me a lot and gave me a job at Morgan's Hotel Group, running a lot of big things that I should not have been that I should not have had at all at all. And he just sort of believed in me. And about three, you know, three, four weeks into it, I knew it was going poorly. And before two months were up, I went to Derek and I was like, Derek, listen, before uh, I get fired, you I think maybe <laughs> we've, we've all made a huge mistake here. And he was like, all right, you know, like, let's let's figure this out a nice way for you to leave. And um, but anyway, so I do think it's interesting that people can sort of create their own jobs. And, and I do think you're right that it's about, you know, wealth, wealth creation and preservation. Um but I think that to your point, the three of us have very different viewpoints on it because everything that I do in terms of entrepreneurship today for me is is it currently, especially as of late, is now just me again, right? Like as of as of last week is really just me again and figuring out what am I building and how do I build? Um, and that's just different, right? Well, and I think let's double click on, on that concept for a second. <laughs> and the, uh, <laughs> but I, uh, so talking about basically like the, like the side hustle versus a solo entrepreneur versus an entrepreneur and Colin, that's something you've tweeted about a lot. I'm curious to, to get you to get the full spiel on is this idea of like, okay, don't quit your day job. Like, no, no, really don't quit your day job until like you're entirely ready. And so curious on your kind of perspectives on that. Yeah. Thank you for pulling me out of my silence here. I'm just listening, listening to you guys talk. Um, I think so. In terms of that specifically, that comes from uh, I'm someone who pretty much had the bug uh, very early on uh, without the vehicle, if that makes sense. And so I like just kind of rejected the notion of a job and it really wasn't ego based. I've, I've like spent a lot of time thinking about how how I went down that path, but I didn't have I, I was a driver. I did not have a car and and that created so much this like long period of my life that uh that i just was like super uncomfortable and dead ass broke um and it was just kind of like for the like there was no reason for it right and i think that there's a lot of people that that may want to be an entrepreneur want to start a thing that have this kind of like glorified thought that you have to like you know quit your job go out in flames uh you know push push all the chips in and it's just a really really foolish way to go about it and on top of just like from a personal security and uh, uh, all that good stuff, I think that in the early days, having to support yourself off of your business puts a lot of unjust, undue strain on the business itself, right? Um, if you if you dive into into something on day one and you say, okay, I need to be paying myself, you know, 50k, 60k to be in a good spot, and on so day day one, day two of your business, you have a five thousand dollar a month expense, like like that that's not doing yourself any favors uh, again assuming that you're like bootstrapping and and uh, actually starting something not not raising a bunch of money or something yeah that's interesting cuz i feel like uh yeah i've always had people in my life that i either looked up to or that that mentored me or i kind of attached myself to and what I found interesting is is when I started looking at those people when I was younger and being like, okay, who do I want to be like? Who can I like? What do I aspire to? And, and seeing those folks, like a lot of them had this interesting combo where it was they, they'd never really like maybe they'd had a real job at one point, but it's like, okay, they have a business and they, that they're very involved with, with other people. Then they have a business that they just own and it's kind of solo. Then they have investments in these other things. You start to see how you know everyone who's kind of successful moves that way has, has this, this web of things. Um, and then, you know, and so I was like, okay, uh, I need to do that. And then, you know, lo and behold, over the course of like the next five or seven years, okay, like I have a thing like that. But then you get caught inside this this whole idea of, well, okay, what did you, should I never work for someone else ever? 
you know, should I only kind of work for myself in there? And obviously, you know, Colin and I sort of work for uh, at the behest of, you know, like the, the shareholders and the board and the people that we work for at our job while also building a number of things. And it's, you know, it, there's no, uh, it's funny because there's no playbook for that because it wasn't talked about as much. You know, it's just something that entrepreneurs naturally did. But now we're kind of in here and I feel like it's something that there's like a great book on of like, how do you juggle all these things, right? I think it's, it's uncharted, which I think is why it becomes really interesting. Yeah, and I, I so you kind of touched on a couple of things there. Uh, previously, you guys were mentioning, you know, being an entrepreneur for the sake of wealth. And then I think, of course, we have a lot of people that want to be an entrepreneur so that they don't have to have the boss. And, and, and uh, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of ego driven things that center around this. And for me, I genuinely have never been able to relate to anything except for wanting to build things. Uh, like not even, not even remotely. Um, you know, obviously, uh, making money is fantastic, and the things that that enables is is a plus, and that's that's something that I want. And the the more cash you can generate, uh, the more interesting some parts of your life can be. But uh, both that and then like the desire to like be beholden to no one uh, are are just completely n- never at any point or ever even a blip on my radar. It's just raw, untethered. I need to make shit like every single day as long as I can remember. Um, uh, uh, this is like part of my manifesto. No, just kidding. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm just uh, manifesto re- is manifest. It's re- color releases. Yeah, soon. right. Right. Uh, but really, I don't know. It's uh, I can't. Well, I think it's going to resonate with a lot of people, yeah. right? I think there's there's people that feel the same way. I think that's why all three of the indiv- our individual journeys are interesting. I think they're in completely different ways. Like you've said, right, I just want to be. I want to be creating these things. I want to create with people that I enjoy. Do those things I can get really into. And then it doesn't really matter the avenue there it goes. And I think yeah, not at when all. we talk about the wealth portion of it, the reason I love that is, is that was the number one thing for me. Is I was like, I want to get from where I'm at. And I had kind of lost time because the first you know seven years of my adulthood, I kind of like spent doing you know, creative things that, that didn't get me anywhere really in life. And then it was like, I have to make up for lost time. I want to accumulate as much wealth as possible. So I did all these things to create wealth. And then when you create a certain amount of wealth, you're like, okay, well, what do you do from here? And now it's, okay, how can I just be uh, uh, two things? How can I be intensely into whatever it is I'm doing? Like, I really want to do it when, whether it's hard or not, it's like, I want to go after it. And then is it keeping like the skills fresh? Like I stay like in some things where I'm like advising someone or investing in something just cause I'm like, you know what? I really want to, I can't keep up with it. web three. But I want to be around it. I want to get the brief sure. that they send every month. I want to just be in the mix. I want to like, you know, like even like I still maintain a website from a, some from his mind for like four years back because I don't I don't ever want to be dusty on like sure yeah. you know being able to handle WordPress. I think that's an idea. You know, there's a lot of interesting ways to get into it. So, James, what's your uh, what's, what's been the driver you know it's, for you to pursue this life? So I grew up in a house where um, <clears throat> I wasn't super super close to my dad, but my dad was an entrepreneur and he had built um, a somewhat successful. Um, a stock photography agency that long story short ended up falling apart in, in, in the long run but I grew up in a household where like entrepreneur, entrepreneurism was there right and that starts to opening interesting conversations about like neuroplasticity and sort of how you can sort of see yourself being successful and opens up a really deep conversation that I'm not qualified to speak about really on why like kids that grow up in certain neighborhoods only go after certain careers right and it's because they actually have just never seen someone in their life be successful doing something different than, than, than certain things that are trade in media. But so for me, I think that I always loved money when I was younger and I wanted it to be money and I really hated authority. So for me, it was this like perfect Venn diagram come together of like hating authority and loving money. But what I realized, and I've only realized this, I'm 33, about to be 34. I've only realized this in the past year or so of my life. The, the youngest is of, the, of the squad. The, young, the baby of the group, <laughs> the, the, the baby of the crew with these old men. But I realized, and you know, it may be, and I'm very, very far from where I'd like to be financially and and fat and gold stars wise, but I have like reached a different, I think, uh, stage in my life where I'm not super stressed out about money these echelon. days. Echelon. We'll, an, an echelon, an epoch, if you will. Um, but when I, mm. what, what, I've, what I've realized is that I think like, I know I want to make more money. And this is a conversation we've all had, but it's more about, uh, I just want to build to Colin's point. Like now that I've sort of, I think I don't wouldn't say escape velocity, but I've reached a different place. I love building stuff. I want to build stuff forever. Like, and, and I always have done that. It just the motivation when I was younger, I think I thought would be money. Um, and, yeah. and, and I didn't really, it was to be really candid with you guys. Like it wasn't until my mid twenties that I really got my life together at all and started trying to build businesses as opposed to like building these little side hustles. And the last thing I'll say along the lines of this is that everything that I've done in the past that has been successful, I decided I'm going to go all in on this. 
um, and try and do this one thing. And in and the company I sold in 2020, I mean, I raised debt for that company, paid myself salary, $2,000 a month salary, paid you know for years out of debt that I personally guaranteed. And uh, what's interesting now to Colin's point about sort of being financially stable to do what you want to do is I won't get into the full details, but we can touch on a little bit later with some of the info stuff. But I built a side business last year that was not meant to be a main business at all. And that was an info product business, right? It was a sort of cohort based uh, coaching business. And I did it just for fun. And it just sort of fell, fell together. And I was I had other money anyway. So um, what's interesting now is for the first time in my life, uh, I'm looking at this business and thinking, whoa, like this did a lot of money last year. Like maybe there's an opportunity for me to really scale this as a business. And I think that sort of fits into Colin's thesis of like, don't quit your day job because I was doing lots of stuff for the other uh, at the same time. And now I recognize, whoa, this thing really took off. It did very good money last year. This money, this year, if I take it seriously and treat it as a full-time business, not only could I pay myself a salary on it, but I could scale it and grow it to be something pretty significant. And that's really exciting and very different than the way I've done things before. So I think I got kind of something that leads leads us where we want to go here. Um, um, let's see. I think uh, something that I've really over the last 24, maybe 36 months kind of gained appreciation for is I never really looked up to anyone particular, whether that was someone in my life or, or like a celebrity, uh, entrepreneur perhaps, um, at all. But I did like look around and observe the, observe them a lot. And I think in the last year or two, maybe two or three years, I've really gained an appreciation, appreciation for the fact that there's really is no model of how to do it. Um, uh, how, whether, whether that thing is like how to lead people or, or how to be an entrepreneur or so on and so forth. And, uh, that, that was like a, a huge breakthrough, uh, for myself. We can read all the books and, and really pick up the tactics, which is all any book is ever going to give you anyway. Um, but I just spent so much time kind of like, uh, observing these and like, you know, emulating things that I thought would work. Um, and if, if you haven't all noticed, I think probably 24, eh, probably 18 months ago, I kind of just said, fuck it. Uh, I'm going to do the calling on this and not try and, uh, you know, not try and like be the, my version of something else that I see that, that I think works, um, which has had, um, which bleeds directly into the personal brand and doing content and being on the internet, because that's also something that has been like lurking in the back of my mind for, I don't know, uh, 10 years. I think part of that is that my mom's a teacher. I like teaching and, and, uh, uh, speaking to people like that. And, and so in the back of my head, I always, uh, always like the idea of, of building a brand around that and, and talking about the stuff that interests me. Um, and for me, the key to all that was, like I said, throwing any, uh, assumptions about what that looks like out the window and just doing the, doing the, the call in version of it. Um, and I think that that's, you know, a lot of where we're all headed in terms of building brand, building personal brand, creating content um, that we are uniquely positioned to create, and uh, so on. And that yeah, was I'm, an interesting. Uh, okay, go, James. No, I was gonna say. I mean, I think I, to, to to go along with that, um, it's uh, I, in me and my in my in the building of the personal brand stuff was very lucky for me, and maybe the same with you guys because this is. All my friends, I hope they love me, but they have no interest in the obscene amounts of just talking about marketing and entrepreneurship and business that yeah. I want to do anyway. And everyone's like, I'll be in a car, people, and they're like, oh my God, James, please like stop talking about, you know? And uh, so it's a great for me to have this outlet where I can just talk about the stuff that I'm actually really passionate about and people are really excited by that. Um, so anyway, so I just think that's interesting, but that, that's just my, my add on to that. Uh, I actually, I like that, that mention. I think that resonates really well because you, I feel like when, when all the things came together for me to have multiple things that generate income for me in my life and multiple projects and to do me in a different way that I think Collins is kind of doing, he's, he's putting him there on the internet. It's been more of just like, okay, I'm going to only do the things I want to do versus the things that I feel like I should do at this, at this point in my life. Um, but a lot of it just came down to, okay, well, I don't really do anything else. And the people that or want to talk about anything else and the people that I'm interested in and, and are uh, aspire to be like, uh, they don't really either. I remember going to, to someone uh, who I, I was working for, who had lots of projects I really looked up to going to his house at one point and like, he didn't have anything in his house. He was never there. 
because he was always like at he had restaurants and he had uh, nightclubs and things like that that he owned. He would just work from there, or be out there, or be in the life. There's literally like, wasn't a thing in this house, even though he had like a beautiful home. And I found that really interesting, and that, I think that like, but once that hits, once you're like, okay, this is my obsession this is my drive this is my passion this is the thing that's generating it for me like everything else becomes kind of just noise and you have really important things like family etc but all those little enjoyment things like all the distractions of like netflix or video games or like anything that or having small talk for a thing that isn't like ideas uh is just becomes way less powerful and so i think and if you're one of those people that feels like that, like if you're like surrounded by friends, and you have that same reaction James has, you're like, you don't really want to talk about this all the time. Like, I don't know, we have a, a small group here who can talk like that. I probably have yeah. another five or eight friends, but like lean into it, find those people. That's going to be your way. Yeah. You know, like uh, on, on that. So like uh, Orn and I have worked together like day to day through a couple different stints in our, our adult lives. And then like been in touch in the, in the off periods there. Um, but for me, like before I met James, like Orn and I did a lot of that, right? Just like nerding out about random, random things that pretty much nobody finds interesting. And I remember I jumped on the phone with, uh, old James here, uh, off the Twitter DMS probably about a year ago. It was probably about a year ago. And I mean, it was like, Oh fuck. Uh, he, he, he's one, he's one of us. Right. Yeah. He was like, you're going to love my boy Warren. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like me, like, like I found another person, like there's, there's, there's three of us now. Um, and of course there's more than that, but, but it's like, I mean, I, I spend 30 years, uh, navigating the world and I like, I have friends that I love dearly, uh, that I'm super close with that. It's just like a different wavelength. It's not like a higher wavelength or a lower wavelength. It's just a different one. And, uh, it's, it is a plus to, uh, to catch a catch a sin signal and, or maybe a, and it's not yeah. for everyone and it's all right and I think that's an interesting topic too is is, uh, is if you are one of those people and you can't find that group like that's why I think uh, the internet is a great place to do it but like you have to or else you're always going to feel isolated and those people are definitely out there and there's more and more and more of them I feel like every day as they kind of awaken you get that zero to one so like go lean into it but I think that's the other point too is is how do you know if entrepreneurship's for you because I think there are a lot of people out there especially people that follow uh, you guys on Twitter or that we engage with who are like okay I'm interested in dipping my feet in i'm interested in this new economy i'm interested in crypto i'm interested in entrepreneurship i want to be my own boss but like i have this other life and i haven't been able to make it happen like what do you think yeah you know, i think for a lot of people at some point you want to be honest with yourself and say do i really want this or am i just interested in spectating on it and i think both of them are fine but how do you know if this is for you you know would you guys have any any ideas on that i mean for, I mean, for me personally it's kind of insatiable it's like this what i do isn't particularly a, a choice that I didn't have the crossroads, right? Like it, it's driven my wife crazy as long as she's known me, uh, at least like in certain ways. Um, but uh, I don't know. We don't need to go on like just start a uh, tangent, but I don't know. I can't really relate. I guess if you're at the crossroads wondering if it's for you, I can't relate. I mean, I'll tell you as, and, and it's interesting because I, I half agree with Colin for myself here, which is that like, this has just always been me, right? Like, has just always been who I am, and I truly cannot fathom any other way of life. Like I have a really hard, t- I can sympathize with with others. I have a really hard time empathizing with people that live completely differently than me, like with a, with very, very traditional jobs. Because even though I've like played in that world a little bit, it's not any way I've, I've really normally lived, right? Not to, like I said, I've never gotten a regular paycheck. I have eaten what I've killed since I, since I was fifteen, essentially, what? right? Um, there's plenty of people that just wake up one day though and they're like in a circumstance you know like uh and they might not be the right circumstance for them but like you go to college if you go to college you get a job you know and then you're just kind of stuck in this pre-existing in this business way like and then if you are in it or you're down the you know even say you make the jump and you're like this and and you've been an entrepreneur for x amount of time that's all you've ever wanted to do but then all of a sudden something doesn't quite feel right i feel like there's a lot of people that have those those moments in in their lives like I know when I was when I was in music and I was having some level of success, but I just couldn't take it to the next level, and I wondered why. And then, like one day, I admitted to myself, I was like, I don't actually want this. This isn't what I enjoy. I'm just chasing a dream that I ended up in. And I think that there's a lot of uh, yeah, like inflection points that people have like that in life. But it's grown increasingly hard to talk about them because there aren't really people. You know, it seems like a lot of there's only a handful of people that even think like that. And then we're also you know, the conversations are so like centered now around social media. We have less of these, like, I think really authentic, like group sit downs and people are working together that it's hard to really tap into having that kind of moment with the friends you have around you. Well, I also want to say really quickly to, to, to circle back to something you touched on a second ago, Oren, 
Is that like it's totally okay? By the way, I and I in no way think that like I am better than someone who's not an entrepreneur, right? Like it is not, and and I know lots of people that think they want to be. I, all my friends and and bless them, they all I'm sure they all didn't believe in me when I was really screwing up, but they all pretended to, and kudos to them, except for maybe one or two of them. But like you know, now everyone says to me like, "Oh, I'm you know gonna start you a business." Yeah. yeah, you know exactly who you are. Don't worry, they don't listen to this. <laughs> don't worry. But um, you know, I, I, all I think about is like, I have some friends who work for themselves um, and are phenomenal at what they do. Like some of the top, top, top in their industry, what they do. But they would never be good at running a business. And so I think it's okay. I think it's important to recognize the difference between being a freelancer, which is awesome. If you want more freedom of your time, you want to be in control of when you work and where you work probably should be a freelancer, right? You probably shouldn't be an entrepreneur. You probably should not be trying to build a business that has that has all these employees and you're tied to and you probably get, I used to pay myself less than I paid every single person at, at my last company, literally. And the, and the hearing aid company that we just sold and I, I literally didn't take a single check from, like literally until the sale of the business, right? And so like that's just a different, and I, that's I, I'm not saying it's better or worse, I'm just saying it's a different mentality and I don't think that that's meant for everyone. And if they not, if that's not for you, then then more power to you. You shouldn't try. You shouldn't beat yourself up because you're not doing it that way. I think it's totally okay to to fall into these different buckets. And then and what I'll use to parlay that into is I had this sort of epiphany recently, which is I grew up in New York City, where I always I think that like sort of the underlying thesis of New York is like sort of professional services, like lawyers and bankers and consultants. And one thing I realized is that I've been my whole life trying to build businesses predicated on the way that people always have built businesses. I used to think an interesting KPI was like FTE count, right? Like full-time employee count. Like I would be like, oh, I got six employees. Like I was what, a, just what a gonna, foolish, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like I don't- I mean, I, I, I feel you, like I'm, yeah. Like I, I remember three, I remember three or four years ago, like being like impressed with the number of heads. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and it's like, uh, what? my like, how the tides of turns. Yeah, because yeah, I think like what you're a, doing, what, what you're doing, that's like you. Like that sure. sounds amazing. Like we well, have, so that's we have trying to pivot 390 now. people yeah. in our company right now. And like what we're doing requires that, but, but it's like, whoo, 400 people. I mean, at any yeah, scale, yeah, I wake up every morning and have the uh, responsibility. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'll tell you. And so the, the other thing is that like, I, and I know this that I'll never, ever, ever, as someone who's raised seed capital before, I'm not saying I'll never raise money again. I will never raise seed money ever again for anything for the rest of my life. That is for sure. Right, like I will not raise money. I'm not going to be paying myself a salary out of some investor's money, like unless there's very clear traction and growth. And that was like one of the worst things I ever did because then you have this like weight on your shoulders, especially unless you already have a bunch of wins. You're definitely raising from friends and family that seed capital, right? So you're getting you're getting a check from your mom, from your cousin, right? And then everyone's like, oh, so how's it going, you know? And you're like, oh, well, we, we all know this all too well, you know? And like, what a struggle that is. But so I had this epiphany recently. Which was, I, for example, I've thought about starting a community. I know it's something we've all spoken about a bit, right? And so I thought about like Discord or what's the way you do, you do this? Circle, what's the right app for this? Um, and I mean like a lower ticket paid community, like 50 bucks a month or 20, whatever. And I thought, oh, that's so cheesy. That's not normal. You know, that doesn't make any sense. And that's going to go away. And then I, then I had this epiphany. I was like, wait a second. That's definitely where the future of small media businesses are, right? Like this is for sure the future of this. Why am I fighting this and thinking about full-time employees and office space and all these old archaic KPIs of ways that we measured success, which are not useful at all? Why don't I do why don't I have a business that does five million on a 75% margin with only two full-time employees? and four contractors. That sounds way better, right? And like, but that's not the way I think that I used to think about building businesses. I'm trying to start thinking about building businesses in a totally new light. Uh, on the topic of kind of the way that it used to be and the way that it, that it is now or, or the way it's heading, um, with, you know, leases are the craziest thing that you have to do in business. A five-year lease, like that is bananas for yeah. anybody to pretend that they have any idea what they're going to need space-wise in five years. Like, it is crazy. That like that has blown my mind since I was like 18, and it still blows my mind like right now. Yeah, because uh, it's built for this old structure of business. It's not crazy. For, and so many years? systems and things are. And, I was, and also, I was by just, the way... Uh, I was going to say, there's there's some of these businesses that are being bought out of bankruptcy by like Ty Lopez and you see all these things, right? Like 
Part of the reason they're in so much trouble is because of these lease liabilities. They're right? underwater because on like, lease. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. crazy. It's crazy. I, it's nutty. What I was just I was with a with a, one Get of Kelsey guys. We're disrupting the commercial yeah. real estate industry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll call it WeWork. Um, uh, I was at the park. I got the kids together at the park with with uh, one of Kelsey and I's friends, and his family business is food manufacturing and distribution. And uh, they're, they're building out a new 130,000 square foot warehouse. And uh, I was telling him, you know, we just moved our Portland facility that, that I work out of. And um, we've in Portland, we've managed to avoid um, kind of by luck anything longer than two years. A lot of that is because we're in cannabis. Landlords didn't want to commit to it, so on and so forth. And so this this most recent building is uh, was a five year lease, and I mentioned that, and he like laughed. He was like, "Oh man, ours, you know, ours is 15, and I'm worried it's not going to be enough space." And like, imagine you just committed to something for 15 years, and you're like, "Hopefully, it works for a while." Like, like yeah. that, it's such a unreasonable well, like like way to the, that idea the idea that things are temporary i think is interesting i think it's something that's very millennial because we're used to all these big all these staples that we had growing up became temporary in a way it didn't for even the things we got into like oh we're in a, a you know we're all in myspace that's gone we're all on facebook that's moved on we're all on instagram yeah, like right. all these things that are big parts of our life have migrated thing to thing we've seen the the rise and the fall the blackberry to apple like all those and so whereas all these systems that they're built upon are still based on on everything staying the same i think that's a uh, that's a good segue into into that idea of okay so there also weren't people that really make content about business except at a very high level or wrote books about that until recently i know where we all i think believe that making content is something that is almost required to help you succeed inside the business you know whether whether you want to or not and i'm sure as like three white dudes we've all sat there yeah at some point and been like are we the voices that we want to be out there when there's other many other stories we told and whatnot which is its own complicated thing yeah. um but the uh but like it's like all right well this is a promotional tool and a and also a, a skill set to have that is, is is almost mandatory and i think it's, it's wild how different that is and how it's still kind of I feel like yet to be fully embraced, but we're definitely kind of at, at that breaking point. And I think it really, really separate, you know, in the future, people that are able to do that and people that aren't. And then to James's point, people that are willing to build communities and aren't. And a lot of this is just comfort zone. A lot of this is, am I willing to do the hard thing that has changed? And because we all know it, TikTok is the wave, but we're all like, fuck, it's just a little too, ah. It's a lot. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah lot. you know, so <laughs> when I started, hard. Dude, when, <laughs> yeah. I made, when I started my Twitter, right, um, which was like actually in like 15 years ago, right? It was just a right. personal Twitter. And so when I started getting on Twitter again in the way that I'm on Twitter now, I had this crazy uncomfortable feeling because everyone that was on there knew me as like a nightclub promoter, right? Or something, and I thought they're gonna be like, why is this guy talking about marketing stuff? Um, and entrepreneurship, and I felt so embarrassed by it. Same thing when I just started posting on LinkedIn recently, which I which I started doing, right? Yeah. Like, Amen. and so it's about ripping apart that ego and being comfortable with that. And I think that for me, interestingly enough, the the people I know that have done well with audience, the people that do best, don't aren't doing it to make money off audience, right? Now I've made some money off my audience. I want to be completely candid, right? With that said, I didn't go out there with the mission to do that, right? I was just liking the dopamine hits. I thought it was fun. I love talking about this stuff, and that was great. But what's really interesting is that I think about audience as more of like an insurance i think of it as a hedge right and more than anything i think that if you can reach true escape velocity with audience then you can sort of anything that you do in the future you you can press a button and yeah, turn, yeah, that, MVP, turn that mvp you need on. to see money your users think about I mean, white house with colin where he was like Yo, i can launch an app i could tweet about yeah. it and i get 200 people who can pop in yeah, and, five, and use it you know 500 like, for the rest of my life yeah I'm 500 i yeah, mean so so crazy. to, to yeah. go into the real quick strategy thing here right is like for me with audience I know, let's say 50,000 followers, right? Let's say 100,000 to make the, the numbers easy. I'm positive that with 100,000 followers in a singular niche, I could get 1,000 of them to be paying for a SaaS, right? So let's say 1,000, as long as they're in the right niche, right? 1,000 of them paying for a SaaS at $100 a month MRR is, is a $1.2 million ARR SaaS. And now we're looking at in private market valuations, we're looking at for real a $5 million company. Multiple. Plus yeah, easy, yeah. easy, right? Yeah. And so that means that hypothetically, and I don't mean like hitting them once, I mean like providing real value for these people, right? But like being able to just snap your fingers and spin up these, and obviously that's a smaller scale. The people that are do that really well are Russell Brunson, right? Who's the OG of sort of info product and, and audience into into SaaS, and that's ClickFunnels o for everyone that OG. doesn't know. 
OG. And then Alex Becker yeah. does it. He has Hyros, which is his, his uh, tracking platform. But these are guys that are building $100 million software companies off the back of audiences. Um, and, and also you make can make good money selling info products and doing um, you know conferences and stuff like that as well. But like that's yeah, sort of- I dive into the info products piece of that too. I think that's interesting because then there's the question of like, okay, well, what is, what is right to do with your audience? You know, uh, and then where is the line on that? Like, all right, so if I'm Elon Musk, can I or should I sell an info product? You know, like, yeah, if, if I'm, the, you know, even like I look at, I think about my day-to-day life. Okay, I'm the president of a public company. Should I be selling an info product online to this audience that's, that's kind of been built? And, you know, and and you know that's the future or the wave, but it's like, okay, what is the right mix of monetizing your personal brand or your audience and kind of how you decide what and when? And I think everyone kind of struggles with the awkwardness of it you know, a little bit unless you're just are, are fully leaned in. I want to. I want to butt James in. Being fully leaned in, it's different. Yeah. I want to butt in on that really quick and just kind of circle it back to, like, there is no model for what X Y Z looks like. There is no model for what small cap pubco president looks like on the internet. Like, like, <laughs> there, sure. there, there are plenty, but like none of them matter. Um, and and I feel oh. like. Uh, the the boy Elon has done a lot for that. I don't mean to compare anyone here to Elon Musk, but but him just like kicking down any sort of walls of like uh, stiffness and uh, professionalism and and things, and just like completely obliterating them. That that obviously helps, but um, but I think that it all lends itself to like the current state of the world, and that like like antiquated resumes and and things like this don't matter. Like who you are and what you do matters. Period. And, you know, that that can be a broad mix of all kinds of things, whether it's whether it's the topics uh, or or uh, or something like content that you put out. Right. Like it, there, there is no yes or no. Right. Um, and uh, I think that that will become more and more normalized, I guess, really, like as our generation, uh, you know, moves through the moves through the, the age funnel of the population. Right. A hundred percent. I was saying this to Oren the other day. Actually, we were having a conversation about this at my house, and it's like in the same way that in twenty. Wait, you guys were hanging out without me? Oh, oh, bro. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. We didn't come to the Pacific Northwest, bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you can come down sorry. to where magic happens anytime. Yeah, I didn't know. Like, revolution so. happening here right now. Revolution of the mind. Right, <laughs> we'll do the Zoom next time. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, you know the reality is, and, and uh, to circle crypto into this for a second, because somehow crypto has to be involved in everything, right? God is that like it. I have this, you know, my thesis on crypto is forget use cases, right? Like obviously there's a ton of fantastic use cases, but things, event, this is just too far out of the bag. Too many people own it, right? And so what I, what I mean by that is that like for right now, all of our politicians are old people, old people that mostly don't own crypto. And if they're buying it, it's because they want to feel young, they want to feel connected, they probably are pandering to a younger demo. But what happens in 20 years when everyone that's 30 years is 50? Right, and all of our politicians have been holding crypto, and they're you know for 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 twenty years. There's no question that there's going to be it's going to be a, a bullish for something like that. And so to go to extrapolate on that, I feel the same way about sort of your comment, Colin, to Oren about you know there being no no uh, you know uh, sort of template in which the a small cap pubco president should 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 carry themselves on Twitter with audience building because the reality is is that. Candidly, when you guys are looking at institutional capital, right, and you're worried about people look at you, there are not. You, listen, the the old old folks are already don't care, right? They're 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 not looking at at at, at small micro cap uh, cannabis companies on the OTCs. They're not. I just not even being rude. It's just like that's not what they look at. They're looking at. I, I know people that Whatever, are doing dude. like. <laughs> no, I mean, there's certain funds. I have friends who have hedge funds that in their mandates cannot touch equities that don't trade $100 million a day in dollar volume. You're talking about mega blue chips, right? It's just not going to happen. So why even pander to those people? And it's the same thing about why am I so worried about what my 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 74 year old investment banking mentor thinks about my new business right like like that's it's all irrelevant because those are people that are not my customer they're not my my supporters and and especially in 10 years as someone who's 33 as we are the new sort of wave i like to think we're young but we're not that young in the next 10 right. years in our mid 30s we're going to be our mid 40s and the people that are looking at Unrivaled today are the are the younger, more interesting analysts at the smaller and mid-tier investment banks, right? That are then are going to understand that this is sort of, I think, much more normal. And so I don't think that there's like a certain way to get stuck in that that's how one well, has I to carry themselves. Also, and that almost puts in a different position because then you look at ourselves, some of the people that are in our similar shoes, whether on Twitter or in various entrepreneur roles that like, we also have that, you know, uh, almost requirement to normalize and set what that standard looks like for entrepreneurs going forward and to kind of bridge the gap on that with, you know, 
the content that's being put out there, the personalities are being put out there, like how we diversify. I think that's an interesting opportunity too, because this is really the first generation of entrepreneurs that are savvy enough to create their own content and have their own brands out there, even at like a micro scale, like in mass. And that's great. I think going to create a really interesting framework for what the future looks like. Yeah. And I, and I think to, be, to, to, to go along with that is that, you know, whether you're someone like me, who's now you know, thinking about how to sort of rearrange my life in a way that that audience is the top of it, right? Is the pinnacle piece in which everything flows from, or you're like you're like you guys who are different in your own rights from one another, but also different from me, and your lives are different. But no matter what business that anyone goes into, right? Like I can tell you that if I end up with a million followers and a hundred thousand email subscribers, it does not matter what is what I do out. with my life. It is going to it is going to throw gasoline on any of those fires. And then if everything else fails, I've got this hedge where I can be, you know, at a, at a million subs, I mean, at a million followers, if, you know, if a thousand of them are paying you for your monthly newsletter at 10 bucks a pop, you know, at a bare minimum, you're making a six-figure salary right in one, you know, one newsletter a week, right? Like, and that's not the goal, but that's the hedge. And then I have this sort of asset that is an audience that like anywhere I work, whether it's for myself or I go work for a pubco or I go do a startup, like has this sort of just gasoline to pour in any fire. And anyone who's and not doing that, that is uh, a fool. Yeah. Yeah, what I, th I think you should a also really think, think about fool. the impact a of that fool. for uh, don't burn those people out <laughs> as well. You know, uh, <laughs> like if you have that audience, being able to keep it alive over time would be yeah. as useful. Well, something, the trick to that, I think, is to I not. Think... Oh, sorry. No, go, go for it, Colin. You hear? Yeah, something. Uh, you, you something I think is something I think you guys got me. Uh, something I think is not talked at, talked about uh, nearly enough in the whole audience building uh, conversation is just what it does for network. And I don't mean like I don't mean like the other cool famous people that you get connected with. I mean the like the little things that that happen behind the scenes uh, for, with your network. And I don't know. I'm not articulating it well, but. A lot of the tweets that I do that are that absolutely bomb are the ones that like initiate a DM with somebody that leads to X and then turns to Y and then so on and so forth. And it's like super bizarre the consistency with which that happens to me. Like, especially for someone that's like, I'm worried about like doing engaging content that people care about, but not to a degree where I'm like selling myself out and, and being super corny. But every like the tweets that I do about like my daughter and making a joke about x y and z those are the ones that like start conversations that like are incredibly impactful and do things for me personally and i think we breeze over that in just in the like oh audience does make gives you leverage and makes it so you can do anything i don't know yeah well yeah there's also the like this that whole element of like uh you can fire off as many threads and say as many things that are profound as you want but then if people don't feel some actual connection to you and right, you're not actually right. nurturing that. Like, where is that yeah. really going to go? They're just followers. I think about that a lot because I remember a friend of mine gave me some feedback the other week. And he's like, hey, you're tweeting like it's a job. And I'm like, well, I basically am treating it like that because yeah. it's not something right. that like innately is is easy for me. Right. But that's not the answer. The answer is is just tweeting out like you're talking to a, a, you know, your, 10 of your closest friends like inside an environment. And that's a lot hard for a lot of people to wrap their heads around. I mean, I yeah. think a lot of folks like us that are, uh, I mean, the key to being successful on social media is go figure being social, right? And what does that mean? It means talking to everybody, right? And and a lot of people, uh, you know, I may, at times maybe have, have been a little bit of a cool guy. I know Oren is like a super cool guy, um, but like you have to not be a cool guy and just talk to everybody, uh, right? Yeah. And, and, and if you think about it, if you're trying to create engaging content that people like, and then your plan is to like not, be all over it when they have questions about it or, or criticize it. Like, what are you doing? Like that, that is not how it works. And it's kind of it's disingenuous. community driven world too. Yeah, like, exactly. You're gonna have to then meet these same people in discord and yeah. you know, like, yeah, it's, yeah it's exactly. A, yeah. Exactly. I, I, and and how are you, you ever going to like really get that connection? I, one thing I've done and I'm trying to, and it's, I used to always delete any of my tweets that didn't hit. Right. And part of that was a function of a one, someone came to my wall or my, my Twitter and saw my feed. I wanted them to only think it was straight value, wall. but my Give wall, that's, that's Facebook, all I am. Right. Yeah, You're millennial um, showing brother. My top eight. <laughs> my, um, but so my, but my thought now is that like, first of all, 
I do want this to be me. Otherwise, I could just pay someone to, to tweet, right? And, and it could just be robotic and not be me. And I do think you can tell the difference. There are some of the bigger influencers on Twitter. Like, I can tell it's not them tweeting. I'm positive. Or there's, like, not a, one iota of personality in it. And so I think that's important. Yeah. But to Colin's point, too, I sometimes will see things that I know are niche and esoteric on purpose because there are, I know that my, in the 50,000 people that follow me now, that some of them are people that want to make their first dollar online, and you're here for that, and I love that, and I want to help you do that. But there's also some really serious heavy hitters that if I only tweeted about things that spoke to the super broad audience, would cease to follow me. So I've had moments where, I'll actually, this is a really specific, I remember saying, I tweeted once, I could, uh, and actually VC Braggs made fun of me for it, but I tweeted once, um, I could show anyone how to take $500,000 liquid and turn it into $10 million in net worth with uh, with a little luck and a, and a couple years. And someone, I got a DM that someone goes, I know exactly, you're talking about reverse mergers with shells, right? And I was like, I am. And they were like, let's hop on the phone, right? And so it's a bunch of investment bankers and, and they're like, dude, we got a bunch of shells. What do you want to throw into them? You tell me what you want to put in, we'll merge in whatever you want, we could, you know? Right, and, and like seven to- people got that tweet. And in total, yeah, yeah right. out of 50,000. Yeah. And so I think to Colin's point, like there's something worth it for A, being just normal and real, but also like, I don't know, making sure that you're not just pandering to the super masses because yeah, you can launch products and stuff, but the real magic is is for sure it goes down in the DMs, right? Is for sure like actual relationship building. And the, the thing that I found most powerful about 50,000 followers on Twitter is that it's very easy for me to get people to follow me back right if i want to talk to them and that is a superpower because then their dms are open right and it's like all of a sudden i have a direct cell phone text message to someone where they know me i have the social proof all their friends follow me and that's like we had and i'll finish this really quickly when we sold the 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 dtc brand recently it was to open store um and keith radboy who's the founder of open door very big well-known vc in miami no, um, he's the worst. Keith, and, if you and, <laughs> hear this for some reason, I think you suck. I hope he doesn't. But anyway, so he yeah. tweeted something and then I jumped on and I tweeted, oh, we just sold one of our businesses to you, right? And he started following me back. Okay, perfect. Keith follows 700 people on on, on, on Twitter, right? Like, so <laughs> my point though is that like- Yo, Con, I'm riding with you, brother. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. Straps out, baps Keith. out. You know what I'm saying? Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't like you. I don't want to know but you. you. Got, oh, but this is yeah. the same thing we talk about like Jason Calacanis, right? Yeah. Like that sort of crew. But you guys get my point, right? Yeah. My point no, is like, yeah, yeah, opens yeah, the doors, you know? And that's really magical, right? And like, and, and great I think work that, of Palantir, brother. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, and there's nothing to do, like what's interesting is that that has nothing to do with what I've done for the past 20 years. Right, like you could be someone that has no experience in that space at all, and come and build an audience and still have that magic key. And where I think a blue check does that too, right? Anyway, so there's weird magic doors that can open, and that's that's how I'll finish that rant. And I just want to I just want to throw a quick fact check out there. James has forty six thousand two hundred followers, not fifty, <laughs> like he just stated. Uh, meanwhile, I am just success, brother. I'm just yeah. shy of of fifty three. Just wanted to. Set the record straight. Yeah, but then we can say that, that even though I only have $5,000 followers, has no correlation to net worth. You know what I'm saying? So we're, <laughs> we're good at it. I actually, I do think a little healthy competition is fun. What's interesting here, and so this is a note about Twitter growth for people, and this is actually a good like metaphor for life, is when I was younger, like, don't get me wrong, I feel like there's, like, as soon as Colin passed me, like, a month ago in followers, and he did 17,000 followers in, in December, I was like, oh, no, bro, I got to go. I got to come do this, right? <laughs> but that's like a healthy, friendly competition. But what other thing I've realized is that like, as long as you have a crew of people that you work with, you respect, you love, you trust, right? You want everyone to win. So to, to be honest with you, it, because the three of us do so much stuff together, fuck it, I hope Colin has 5 million followers. It's only gonna help me, right? You mean, it's, right. it's, it's not right. gonna hurt me, right? And so like that sort of scarcity mindset of like, oh no, that person's ahead of me. And I don't mean just for Twitter, but in, in life, right? Like I want Unrivaled to go to Nizy and be the biggest pub code the world has ever known. Not only because I love you that guys and what you do well, good. but but the, surely that would trickle down in yeah, some yeah. sort of weird way to me, right? Like I wouldn't complain about yeah. that, you know? So anyway, yeah. so I think that's important people to recognize. And I think that's where we were kind of hitting on the, the last thing we want to hit in this pod of that like, like being entrepreneurs together is, is where this model is going. You look at where the future is, it's it's collaboration. It's saying, all right, because we talk about those things like running a community or you know, leaning into a new vertical. Like the best answer is we all shouldn't have to do that. Like the three of us work with someone to help us bring a community in there that we couldn't each afford on our own or something like that. Like these small kind of group workflows and then people making content together. Like we don't all, Colin and I work together, but 
James doesn't work with us, but he knows enough about what we're talking about. You know, like it's just like the fact that any you can have that group and then actually start doing these things together. So it's not just you're making these friends or meeting these other entrepreneurs or texting with them. It's like, yo, we're let's do a free hour long video we're putting out about X, or let's just make this content. Let's have this other LLC. Or hey, brother, you want to you know you want to fuck around? We'll at least do one TikTok a day for thirty days. You know, having sure. that uh, that stuff is super useful. I think that's going to be the model going forward. Is you're going to start to see these kind of these webs of groups that function as a investor syndicate. Plus, like a bunch of overlapping LLCs in business, plus and like making content, right. like yeah. move together, which is how these influencers yeah. work anyway. And then they'll be secured to the blockchain, yeah. obviously. Because <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. where else would anything go except for the blockchain in the future? So, I mean, I think all of that, like all of that, ties in really well, right? Because um, the the premise of of networking with people is is finding people that are like minded, thinking about working on similar similar things, and. Like this group right here, uh, like I think Oren was kind of the last one to the uh, build an audience and do content online uh, uh, party in terms of the three of us. For but sure, hard for me. The, the three of us have exponentially more to talk and bullshit about and relate to each other about. Um, you know, at, with him, with him, like joining uh, that battle, if you will, and uh, and so I think that is like that is the nature of of like finding those networks and then having that mold into working together is just like being in the, on the same wavelength, thinking about the same things, working on the same things and bouncing off the same things uh, together just fosters the entire entire thing. A hundred. And one thing I think is really, there's an old saying that I think makes a lot of sense um, and is a little apropos to this, which is that a, a, um, a business built on friendship is, is bound to fail. A, a, a friendship built on business will last forever, right? And so obviously that's, that's not this exact scenario here, right? But all the time, and I've been, and I've fallen to this fallacy myself, but all the time I see people who are like, oh, me and my friend started this company. Eh, wrong. What are the odds that your best friends are just the are the most qualified people on the planet, right? Like I, there was a company yeah. I used to work with, really smart, cool guys called Pro Athlete TV, right? And um, it was just like five guys that had gone to like Michigan together, right? And like they raised money and all this stuff and they were trying to compete. Anyway, point is, I was like, what are the odds that you guys are all the best guys to, to be in these roles, right? And so interestingly enough, I'm now in a situation with you guys, I don't have a bit, I mean, this isn't a business. This is, we all, if anything, we put money into this, right? We don't get, there's nothing to overturn from this. But I think like, oh man, here's guys that I know that I didn't grow up with. It's not like, because we connected about other stuff and it's like, in a heartbeat, I would trust either to, Either you ever want to do a business one day in the future, in a heartbeat, I'd do it. You know what I mean? Because I know how do you work. I know you're interested in and I sort of respect that. And so I think that what's interesting for people, and this is more the audience stuff, is that if you can find, yeah, build this giant community, but you can probably find some like fantastic people to work with um, that can become some of your best friends as well in, 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 in that process. So, yeah. I think the world, the, the, the future world, like the alpha here is that, uh, is like the hyper-connected hyper action oriented version of that is is what's coming next and who's going to be really making it is people that have any size audience a couple thousand to hundreds of thousands if you're really saying okay i'm going to be growing my network of people that i really want to collaborate with and i want to be taking really small points into a bunch of people's businesses and i want to make content with them constantly and be continually shifting my group or have it be like my office is an epicenter to be able to work that together like gary v was a really early version of this where you would just have a lot of entrepreneurs in the office like talking and talking through things I think we're going to see the people that are really successful just like develop ways to make content or collaborate in business or collaborate on investments with people like very very easy and there's the easy way of like hey we're starting an angelist syndicate and we all like put money in over here um, but then there's just going to be like all right, well, how are we all engaging together and like how do you kind of build those things and I think that there's going to be tools that people can sell along the way that really enable that that are really hyper specialized to be able to make the kind of content or businesses that they're going to come out of, of this kind of collaboration uh, and then there's also just the okay well where do you fit inside that chain and how can you kind of get a little bit ahead of where things are going by being someone who's facilitating this like natural collaboration that's about to come from these like micro business personalities kind of that, that we see coming out across the globe yeah i just want to throw i just want to throw in the in the fire here that i don't really subscribe to the whole don't do business with friends thing um uh james you pointed out that like it's all about the roles right so sure uh our friend Chad, who's you know best man in my wedding, big mistake. Um, just kidding, Chad. Damn, I love <laughs> you. Yo, uh, uh, I actually thought the Chad thing was totally fine. Like you didn't think it was, it was great. I was like, this is a, a very reasonable no. wedding host. I mean, <laughs> like <laughs> it could have been like a like deep heartfelt, like really so really funny speech, and it wasn't. But it's fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, no. But I I say that to say. Uh, if you got if you put Chad in at CFO, yeah, that's probably not going to go very well. 
uh, right? Chad is in charge of all of our promo. It's fucking perfect for him. Um, and, and he's great, right? It's all like, and all this just comes down to, you know, communication and accountability and expectations. And that's all the stuff that's important with people that aren't your friends. Right. Sure. And, and along the way of doing like, I had a lot of friends involved early on and, uh, a couple that went South with a couple. And it's like, that is their problem. Uh, you know, that is, uh, that, that is really entirely their problem. It's no, uh, not a result of doing the business. It's because they're whack in general. And then there happened to be a pretty deep relationship due to a business. Um, I just don't subscribe at all. You guys are my friends. I do business with you tomorrow and it has nothing to do with, uh, uh, with the friendship. Well, yeah, I love it. But the friendship like makes it more fun. Because it's, it's about the distribution of value, right? Where it's like, if we three started the business right now, you'd, off the top, you'd be like, well, we should each have 33% of that business. And that's how a lot of friends would think, et cetera. But that's right. also likely... Maybe it is in whatever case, but depending on right. what the business is, like maybe it's not. But being yeah. able to have that conversation about it, like a business, say, Chad, you know, you live in X role, like we're not a founder, you know, whatever that right. is, or right. you're not the CFO, right? And uh, right. or like we look at it and we go, like, hey, guess what? This business is really all X focused, and so it makes sense for you to have a little piece, of it, but you're not really driving it. And I think yeah. that people always try to assume that we're all in this together, we all started this, we all own, have this ownership of it, and that skews a lot of things when you have to be able to really reasonably talk about like value and the worth of it. Because if you don't have that conversation early you're going to have that conversation late and it's going to be way more fucked up and way more ego is going to be involved. So, yeah. so, so yeah. it's like a very tactical thing to go with this. And I'll say, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll change what I said, Colin, a little bit, which is that I don't think that everyone, I don't think that you should start a business. Your partner should be business partners just because they're your friends. And I think that's maybe the better way to put it. Right? right. And I think that happens all the time. But one thing I've thought about a lot, and, and this is sort of like a little bit of alpha, like tactical alpha here, right? Is that if I started a business with the Big three alpha. of you, I mean, the two of you, right? Is that I, is that I think that the way that I would structure it or I'd ask us to structure it would say that we all vested that 33.3% over X amount of time, right? Unless someone said right off the bat, like I don't have this amount of time to do this, right? But we would all start out pro rata equal and we would have the ability to earn that pro rata equally over the next couple of years. But if anyone decided to go do something different or didn't have the time commitment or the other two people decided that they couldn't, that they weren't pulling their weight, then they would, they would cease to continue to vest that equity, right? And that, that would sort of mitigate making sure that someone, because let me tell you right now, I've been in businesses where someone owned a massive equity chunk and then disappeared. What do you do? Now you got to figure out how to buy them out, right? People don't want to invest in it. People don't want to buy it, right? Like all these things, there's all these really complex things, but there are ways that you can mitigate that with sort of like vesting schedules and paperwork and stuff. And that's, I've thought about if I started a business these days with partners is that like, we would all start with a baseline X. This is what we have. There's more shares that exist in the treasury or existence that are vesting to us. But if we don't, certain people don't pull their weight or have certain certain KPIs, then they stop vesting and then they pro rata end up owning less, less of the business in the long run. And I think that's probably yeah, a decent so way to I was going to say that the blockchain solves this, but it sounds like there's already a traditional business vehicle which may handle it better. <laughs> is this a metaphor for the blockchain overall? Yeah, sorry, I don't know. Quite possibly. Know, quite possibly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I mean, I think so to, to, to yeah, so I take that back. I, I know lots of people that are friends. I mean, but I just wouldn't go into business people just because they're my friend. Um, and and yeah, and I think that you can also through through legal work, you know, mitigate sort of that risk if you're if you're smart about it. So knowing we're, we're coming up pretty close to, to an hour here, what would be, uh, maybe we'll round robin something like, what advice would you give people who are trying to become on this modern entrepreneurial journey? Like you've got some of the pieces, you've got the drive, but like, you know, what are some things where you're like, you, you have to engage in this or do this? I'd say two things real quick. One is like, it's a cliche, but think way bigger. Like think as big as you possibly can. And then the other is like the thing I touched on before, which is like, don't worry about trying to build businesses like that are a hundred years old or 50 years old. Like, don't worry about like how, like when you're building your business, think about the way businesses are going to work in the next five or 10 years and what's cutting edge and what's new and what's high margin and what's clever and smart. Not about the way that you know that your grandpa built a business because that's probably antiquated and probably wasteful. And the less you have to explain that to banks, the better you try, try and yeah. explain yeah. to others. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Calm what about you. Uh, I think, uh, forget everything, you know, remove, remove ego from the equation. Cause that's a huge driver for a lot of people thinking about it. And, uh, damn, I had a really good last one. I can't remember. Get started. <laughs> Builders build baby. Yeah. Get started. Builders build. <laughs> uh, and I was going to say, I, I, do, I do think, uh, everyone should really try to be a jack of all trades. I think it's one of those things where they say yeah, this or that. I think everyone, like when you're doing that, free like, game. 
you, yeah, you should be have to. You should be a bit of a graphic designer, a bit of a web developer, a bit of a, a copywriter, a bit of whatever. Just so you're dangerous enough, and then that ties really quickly into the second piece, which is, and then don't be afraid to outsource stuff along the way, even if it costs money. Like even if you're spending money, you get from your job. But like if someone is helping you or taking a thing off the plate that you don't have to worry about, you want to know how to do all the things, and then slowly claw them back so you that never have to do them. So you have that knowledge level, but then it's also getting acted on elsewhere. A hundred percent. I like that. And one thing I want to say to just finish this up about is uh, it's circled back to the middle, but I had this pulled up. In terms of new businesses versus old, Facebook, their office in Hudson Yards, talking about leases and, and why I would never build a business like this that was predicated on office, like having big office space. Facebook's Hudson Yards lease is $156 million a year in rent. $156 million a year in rent. And that's just for their Hudson Yards office in New York City. That is not for all of their offices, right? So like, uh, I, I look that, at that. Is that a triple net? <laughs> I don't know. No, probably for, for Hudson Yard, for related, maybe. But no, anyway, so on that note, obviously, forget everything you know. You know, don't be afraid to outsource, be a jack of all trades, think bigger. And I think, I think that's about it, right? 